0: Julia is widely understood by historians to be the inventor of aqua tofana, which is perhaps the most feared poison of the Renaissance time period. They formed kind of like a family business of concocting and selling poison to women in the need of getting out of their marriages. Well, hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I am Sarah Gorski.
1: And I'm Chloe Skye.
0: And I'm Jupiter Stone. And Jupiter's been with us the last couple weeks because Sam just had her little baby and she's on her a maternity baby. leave. Bye-bye. She had a little baby, a little baby boy. Anyway, this podcast is not about babies, it's about broads. <laughs> and I am so excited to bring you guys this broad today. Have you guys ever heard of Julia Tofana?
1: nope no not ringing any bells have
0: not all right let's just jump in then all right because i don't want to spoil anything but i'm i'm super pumped first of all i gotta give credit to delaney pierce uh posted something on facebook about this broad and i read it and it was this little like one sentence um and i was like oh that's intriguing and so i did more research and i was like wow This broad has got to have an episode. So Delany, if you're listening to this podcast, um, thank you very much. You the best. Um, And we're going to dig into Giuliana Tofana. So I'm going to take you guys on a journey back to 17th century Italy. So this is like the Renaissance. This is like, you know, a couple hundred years after like Romeo and Juliet would have lived. And it's Italy. And it fucking sucked to be a woman <laughs> in these times. Well, it's not just these times. I, I, I should I shouldn't exaggerate. Many, it's been many time. times. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but particularly in this time period in the Renaissance, women had no power. They were 100 percent objectified, and there were basically two options for women: you could marry, or you could support yourself by being a prostitute. Wow, <laughs> this is like every article I found was basically like, "There's two options for women: marriage and prostitution." But you have to pay the bill somehow, and apparently prostitution was the only way someone could be like a legitimate, a quote, legit business owner, I suppose. Um, And so women were used, uh, you know, they were controlled by men, and they were used like as pawns, basically, and they were often sold off in these kind of like arranged marriages for the social advantage of their families. And like, like young women, like 12 year old girls and shit, like getting married to old gross men. Because their families wanted their, you know, whatever this weird, gross... All right, this is... Like, we can see this, right? We yep. can, We have yep. the picture of this disgusting time period.
1: Is this a pro- like when Portrait of a Lady on Fire happened? Or was that later? Because she was being, like, married to someone in Italy.
0: You know what? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. I don't remember what your Portrait of the Lady on Fire was. On. By the way, audience, if you guys have not seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire, holy shit, Oh, it's that was great. the best movie of last year. You have got to watch by it. By far. <laughs> By far, oh my God, it was so good. Oh, it was so sexy and so good, mm-hmm. and so heartbreaking, but so yep. good. All those things. Anyway, highly recommend. Ten million stars.
1: Okay, so no, uh, it was the eighteenth no, ma- century. Portrait of a Lady on Fire was the eighteenth century.
0: Okay, but that's only a hundred. That's only a hundred years yeah, after this. Really, so yeah, and the, the world so, didn't so,
1: change all that much in those hundred years.
0: Uh, yeah, not a ton. Not a ton. So we have a, this this period of you know time very clearly in our heads, right? And because women were, you know powerless um, their husbands often treated them like absolute garbage and many of them like r- domestic abuse is rampant and there's not a single law that protects women against abusive husbands so yeah. the, the law does not protect women at all
1: because men are making all the laws and women have no input
2: right they have yeah. two jobs and yeah. not, neither of them is to fight for rights.
1: And, and, and we want to be able to beat our wives. So why yeah, should we write a law? It's, a, it's my
0: right. It's my right to beat my property. And my wife right. is my... Uh, there was this um, 14th century Italian feminist writer, Christine di Pizan. And there's this quote from her book. How many women are there who, because of their husband's harshness, spend their weary lives in the bond of marriage in greater suffering than if they were slaves among the Saracens? Saracens, Whoa. by the way, I had to look it up because I didn't know that word. That's, like, the Christian derogatory term for Arabic people, Saracens. So, wow. basically, like, women were suffering worse than if they had been slaves to the two Arabic folks. <laughs> Ooh, that wow. is that's harsh.
1: That's especially look. harsh then.
0: Cause...
2: Yeah. Right? I mean, that's how I view um, marriage, so. Especially I mean, you're harsh.
0: No, no, I do not harsh. But I wouldn't
2: no. compare myself to, an, I think, because what, what is this? This is Italy, so are they Catholic? Very.
1: Yeah. Uh, the pope runs supes their Catholic. lives. Yeah.
0: Soup's Catholic. This <laughs> is like the heart of Catholicism. So uh, there was also though, I have to say, there was a third woman, a third option for women. I sort of lied for a dramatic build up oh. here. The third option for women was widowhood.
1: Done. If your if your husband
0: Ooh. died, you would be free of his tyranny and also st- Usually, you'd get his monies, right? And his property. Mm. So, you know, there was three options for women. (laughs) (laughs) So now I have set the stage for our broad. Uh, On July 12th, 1633, in Palermo, Sicily, Thofania D'Adamo, an apothecary who makes and sells perfumes, cosmetics, herbal medicines, and other concoctions, is executed. What was her crime? She was convicted of murdering her husband, Francis <laughs> Damo. Mm-hmm. How did she do it though? Mm-hmm. There's, of course, there's like no evidence, of course, because mm-hmm. it's the 17th century. But it was widely believed to be poison. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. There's, I have a side note here because it's not super relevant to the story, but I found it was really interesting. Her execution was noted to have been especially brutal. Um, it was, I, it was either, it was, I, it was one of two ways because there's all these conflicting, by the way, this story is full of conflicting sources. So like a lot of this information is drawn from like people's personal journals and shit. <laughs> okay. And like, there was no like definitive historian of the period, really. So there is a lot of this. And if you look it up, like I totally admit from the get go, if you look this up, you're going to find conflicting things about the broad and all the stuff I'm about to say, you're going to find things that go against it. So I'm kind of trying to draw out what I felt like was, were the most universal things about the story, but definitely you're going to find some conflicting stuff, right? So, uh, and there was one article especially that, like, I was like, oh, this article is totally different. And basically, he pulls apart kind of the main sources as unreliable and things like that. So we don't really know, but I'm going to keep going because the story is really awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so so, um, uh, Sofina so is either executed by a form of drawing and quartering that was especially cru- excruciating, even by normal standards of the punishment, or she was bound alive in a canvas sack and thrown from the roofs of the bishop's palace in front of the people. Oh, Wow. So, whichever like, was, hang her. Whichever it was, it suggests that the woman's crimes were considered especially revolting to the patriarchy. That's my right. to the patriarchy right. is my quote right. mark at the end. How, how could you um, ever so,
1: think to kill a man?
0: How dare you to especially poison wife? To poison your husband was very. You will be very very thrown
1: off a roof of around around a sack
0: from the rafters.
1: Wow. Now, can you
2: imagine how terrifying that is? Like, I'm going to fall, and when I, I'm in the air, but when I, I'm...
1: And I have no idea how long I'm going to be in the air. I can't see anything. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I, I think the drawing and quartering was probably worse.
1: Probably, definitely. Well, yeah.
0: yeah, That one. That one's yeah, pretty... That sounds that's probably what they, like, did. play you open and shit. Um, so, anyway, Theofania had a 13-year-old daughter at this time who had pretty much been her number one assistant in her apothecary beauty shop. And she learned everything that her mother taught her, including, supposedly, how to mix poison. Mm. And this daughter's name is Julia Tofana. And she's our broad today. Oh, she's... Oh!
2: You bait and switched my ass. Look
0: at <laughs> that. I bait and I switched your ass. You yes, did. That you opening did. story was about her mama. Oh, um, shit. And Julia, Julia is widely understood by historians to be the inventor of aqua tofana, which is perhaps the most feared poison of the Renaissance time period.
2: Oh. Wow.
0: Aqua tofana is this little concoction that when mixed a couple drops into somebody's food or wine over the course of like three to four days, it would kill them, but it would make them look like it was natural causes and it left no traces uh, upon autopsy. So the first dose, they, so someone would like put give them the first dose and the, the person who ingested it would have symptoms really similar to like a cold. And then on the second dose, the symptoms would become a nasty flu and then the third dose the victim was like really really sick and had a terrible stomach ache and diarrhea and dehydration and barfing and then on the fourth dose the it would it, that's it they're dead wow. so for a, for a poison so most poisons you like ingest and you you're like immediately sick and you're like oh yeah you just poisoned me you fucking did it you're done but mm-hmm. because tofana. Like it, because it was a slower kind of like and, and took the form of the natural death that you really kind of didn't know if it was poison necessarily. And most people shit. just thought it was natural causes, right? Wow. It also meant that somebody who was starting to have these like progressive illnesses might be able to get their paperwork in order before they die. So they're starting <laughs> to feel sick, they're feeling really sick, they're like, oh my God, baby, call my lawyer, let me get my papers right. Before they croak. Um, I, I, oh. There's a great quote about the poison. Administered in wine or tea or some other liquid by the flattering traitress, aqua tofana produced but a scarcely noticeable effect. The husband became a little out of sorts, felt weak and languid, so little indisposed that he would scarcely call in a medical man. After the second dose of poison, this weakness and languor became more pronounced. The beautiful Medea, who expressed so much anxiety for her husband's indisposition, would scarcely be an object of suspicion and perhaps would prepare her husband's food, as prescribed by the doctor, with her own fair hands. Mm -hmm. In this way, the third drop would be administered and would prostrate even the most vigorous man. The doctor would be completely puzzled to see that the apparently simple ailment did not surrender to his drugs, and while he would still be in the darkest to his nature— Other doses would be given, until, at length, death would claim the victim for its own. To save her fair name, the wife would demand a post-mortem examination, resulting nothing. Except that the woman was able to pose as a slandered innocent, and would then be remembered that her husband died without either pain, inflammation, fever, or spasms. If after this, the woman within a year or two formed a new connection, nobody could blame her. For everything considered, it would be a sore trial for her to continue to bear the name of a man whose relatives had accused her of poisoning him. <laughs> so that quote came from, like, a dude's journal of the time period. Like, as it became to be, like, this feared poison. Everyone's like, oh, God, wives poisoning their husbands and pl- claiming innocence and all this shit. Anyway, I'm here for it 100%, and I love it. <laughs> um, the, main arsen- uh, the main ingredients... For the poison are thought to be, uh, thought to be, of course, can't be proven. Atropa belladonna, which is also known as deadly nightshade, combined with arsenic and lead. And while the chief components are known, the manner in which they're blended has been totally lost. Nobody has any idea. But the final product was a colorless, odorless, and tasteless liquid, almost impossible to detect when added to water or wine. And... And this is Julia's invention, or potentially her mother's, that her, that her mother passed down, but we don't really actually know for sure. There's no documentation, right, of, like, the poison recipe and who invented it. Um, but it is thought to be Julia Tofana. It would pretty
1: upsetting if you found that online.
0: Here's, like, here's
1: how to make a poison. You gotta go. <laughs> don't use yes. it.
2: Oh, right, right. Poison. <laughs> Someone somewhere
0: knows. So this, this first like came to the attention of people and authorities, like the, the Aquatofana first became this like known poison and Julia, you know, uh, it first came to, there were, there were trials of two women around like 1632 and 1633 in Palermo, um, where two women were put to death for poisoning their victim, their victims. So that's kind of the first time we like see a reference in history, to this particular... Aqua is this like definitive word of the time period. And Julia Tofana supposedly was a, a young widow when she first started selling her poison around town. It's possible, one of my sources said, it was possible she tested and performed... Uh, perfected the recipe on her own husband, maybe? Mm. Mm. Um, no idea. Only one source. It didn't seem very verifiable, so... But I love the drama, so I'm going to say and it anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, she did have a daughter... Girolama Spurla, um, who've also followed in her mother's footsteps, and they formed kind of like a family business of concocting and selling poison, and they kept it pretty low-key, and they moved around Italy, uh, they started in Palermo, and then they went to Naples, and eventually they ended up in Rome, and they they formed, there's, so, the sources kind of list a different number of people, but they kind of formed like this, like, lady gang of poisoners, <laughs> That would sell poison to women in the need of getting out of their marriages. And but it was only it was like reputation only and only trusted people. So they weren't just like at the market like, <laughs> yo, you want some poison? <laughs> because, the you, <laughs> but it would be like a you know, and a lot of them were like women of high repute like women of good money that were like, wow, this marriage fucking sucks. And sometimes the women also had like fallen in love with someone else and wanted to off their husband. Like there were various reasons. It wasn't always domestic abuse that women wanted to be out of marriages. But, you know, in general, it's all just, you know, comes down to the patriarchy just sucking. I hope Um, they charged a lot. Well, you know what? They did. I think they made good money. Like they did good business. But I also found a bunch of sources that cited that she also provided poison to women who couldn't pay as much So some of the lower class women who were in like getting beat by their husbands all the time, she did have like a warm feeling for them and like help them out anyway, even though they weren't the big money people.
1: Right. I got a few grand Uh, from a lady last week. You can have this for free.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how I imagine it. I mean, there's no sources that say that's what it was like. But I mean, this woman comes to you and she shows up with her bruises and you're like, fuck yeah, let's get your fucking husband. Jesus, get you out of that shit. Um, so she gained a great reputation amongst amongst women and particularly, you know, abused women and women in a bad place. so she and they so they put together this like group of women. They also recruited in some of the sources, they list this Roman priest, Father Girolamo. All these names sound the same to me. I'm Italian <laughs> blind, I guess. Um, so Father Girolamo, and he was helping them. Apparently, he. Helped them by providing. He was, like, in the apothecary side of the church. So he would, like, provide them the arsenic to make the poison.
1: Wow. (laughs) He sounds like
0: the best. Down to clown, man. Down to clown.
1: Um, Hey, dudes, too. Let's do this.
0: And the way. So the way that the poison was distributed. And this is what was the Facebook post that that, that caught my attention in the first place. The way that they distributed is that they put it. In these, they put it, there were two ways. The first way was they would hide it in a makeup compact and, and sell it to women. And like the poison would be like, I think my the way that I read it was like the poison was like secretly like at the bottom or something like that. And they could pull it out and distribute it. And then they also would put it in these little vials disguised with the image of St. Nicholas of Bari. And that was, like, a holy oil that was supposed to, like, ease your face blemishes. Oh. So, so women would buy that to, like, look hot and shit. And it was, like, this cute little bottle with St. Nicholas of, you know, berry on it. And they would have it, like, on their nightstand. And their husbands were, like, none the wiser because they're, like, oh, makeup. I don't know anything about her makeup table. <laughs> Uh, You know, so it was, it's like this, and because it didn't taste or smell or anything, women were able to like, just like kind of have it amongst the rest of their toiletries and nobody knew anything about it. (laughs) I love when poison uses the name of saints. I'm particularly attracted to that part (laughs) of the story. (laughs) And so if anybody got caught too, when they were like distributing the poison, if anybody got caught... It would just look like they were selling, like, some version of holy oil that was for healing your face, right? It was super smart. Julia was the smartest. Mm -hmm. Of course, all good things come to an end. She gets caught. Her and her whole group of people get caught. And uh, there, there were two versions of how she got caught. And the first one is very expected. <laughs> Actually, both of them are kind of expected. Um, the first one I read, and the one I frankly believe the most is that um these really rich women who killed their husbands went to confession, and the priests started reporting, "Hey, we have a lot of women confessing about killing their husbands, and they went to the papal authorities. The Pope's cops or whatever, and they were able, like, through these confessional... I knew it. I fucking knew that confession was all a ploy to control people. I just want to say, I knew it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was one of the sources. (laughs) That's supposed to be be hella hella sacred.
1: That's one of the first things you learn about cults when you've Uh, been in one is they get you to confess all your sins and then they hold it against you. It's true. Scientology,
0: too. All of it. So it could have been the confessionals. It could have been these rich ladies confessing their sins. Then there's also this this more predominant story that f- appears in most of the articles about this one woman. I'm gonna just call her Karen for the sake <laughs> of the story. This one woman was like, I got it off my husband. And she gets she she acquires the poison from Julia and her team, and she puts it in her husband's soup, and he's like about to eat it. And she has this change of heart. And she's like, no, baby, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. And he's like, why shouldn't I eat it? And he, like, beats her until she confesses that she poisoned it. And and she, like, confesses where she got the poison. And she, like, reveals the whole thing. And she, like, sells all the women out. That's why I call her Karen. Like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure well. which version I... I, I, it's hard to tell which is true I certainly the the Karen story is the one that you're gonna read the most if you if you guys google this um, but both. I also do believe I also do believe the confession the confessions right
1: could be like the priests were like all right look we got a lot of ladies confessing about murdering their husbands uh we need to keep an eye out and then that one yeah. guy was like oh my my wife was gonna poison me maybe we can get the name
0: right.
2: <laughs> I think it's in the church's best interest for you to believe that it was just one woman who ran her mouth versus, mm-hmm. like, probably, yeah. We broke
0: confessional. I mean,
1: oh, yeah. My trust they for the want Catholic you to know Church is. They broke code.
0: My, my trust for the, the Catholic Church is pretty low, so.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: So, of course, so there's a warrant put out for her and her team's arrest. They're like, it's her, we gotta get them. And so, Julia, though, of course, has a ton of big fans around the city. She's been selling poisons now for like, I think it's like 10 years, 10, 20 years. Like she's been doing it a long time. And so she had a lot of people who loved her, both for freeing them from their marriage, and then also a lot of like really well-to-do women who were like, "Mm, people can't really find out that I ever bought anything from her because then they'll know (laughs) I poisoned my husband. My old, my dead husband. So, so, um, she like knocks on the doors and she is given sanctuary at this church. So she, she's, so the authorities can't get to her for whatever reason, that particular church they couldn't get into. I don't know if they barred the doors or something. It wasn't clear. It was.
1: There's like church laws about like sanctuary and not being able to go in there. And like, if you break the sanctuary, then God will punish you. So it's like not even worth it.
2: I learned that in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, that's why. That's why, um, like, that's the term sanctuary sanctuary cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you bust this down, like, you can come get them, but you're gonna go to hell.
1: Right. (laughs) Interesting. Slap in the face. You slap God in the face, even to follow your human laws. Like, there's a greater law.
0: The the highest man. (laughs) Well. It doesn't last for long, unfortunately. The sanctuary, she's she's safe for a little bit. But, of course, Italy being this amazing, dramatic place it is, somebody spreads a rumor that Julia poisoned the city's water supply, the city that the church, like, that en- encompasses the church. Oh, please. Um, and so, of course, an angry mob storms the church, and they seize her, and they hand her over to the papal authorities. Wow. They don't so know
1: the priests started that rumor
0: of course they did Uh, like of course that rumor was started by people in power and they were preaching
1: about it every sunday like there's a woman she's she's a poisoner she's gonna poison all of you
0: we're not gonna tell you to do anything
1: we're not gonna say to do anything right wow so
0: so naturally the papal authorities do what they do best and they tortured the living shit out of her but get this you guys during her torture she confessed to having aided in the murders of more than 600 men Ooh, from 1633 whoa. to 1651 in Rome alone. Remember, she moved around a little. Oh, jeez. So, in Rome alone. So, obviously, that number could be lower or higher. That confession came out of torture. So, you right. can't, like. But I actually think that's an awesome number, so I'm sticking with it. 600. <laughs> 600 bastards died. Her poison. Although, you know, I kept thinking like the whole time I'm researching this story, I'm like, how could she be convicted for their deaths? She just made the poison. She didn't put it in their soup. The wife right. put it in the soup. And it made me upset. I was like, these laws, she didn't kill those men. She just made, she just mixed some shit up. Anyway, right.
1: she's right. an
2: accessory. She would have got like manslaughter at the most, five to ten, overcrowding, let if, out into. If she and was she a was, man. And she was just making a <laughs> sure. living.
0: I mean, come on. <laughs> Right. Her other options. So she is though convicted and in sixteen fifty nine Julia is publicly executed in Campo de Fiore in Rome, which is the same church that she had sought sanctuary in. And
1: Mm. the authorities
0: throw her body over the wall as like an extra fuck you to the, the sanctuary city.
1: Wow. wow, Is that how they killed her? Or they just killed her and then threw her body over?
0: The articles kind of vary, but my general impression was that they executed her and then they threw her body over. Um, it say because how they, executed they executed her and they executed her in public so that everybody could see it. Um, and at this point, like so she had been poisoning in Rome specifically over 20 years, and like there started to be like rumors, like men were like, "Why are we dying? <laughs> and why are the why are there suddenly so many single, single well off women that are younger? Like why? Like there started to be like a lot of fear, not quite like night night which level fear, but there started to be mm-hmm. like a what is going on here? And the patriarchy was like getting scared. They were like Aquatovana, Aquato. You know they they were very like <laughs> fucking nervous about it. Um, so Julia's executed. And then they also, the, the, the second part of this awful part is that her daughter, Girolama Spurla and all their assistants were bricked within the dungeons of the Palazzo Pucci, which was the palace of the Holy Office. And I believe that that implies that they were like bricked alive, that they like put them behind a wall and then they brick up the hole and they just let you die.
1: Like the Edgar which Alpo is, story. That's
0: like fucking insane shit. Also, so lots of people were implicated. So, you know, people were, like, confessing left and right. Lots of people were implicated. Dozens of the lower-class women were executed um, after they it was discovered that they were customers of hers. And um, a lot of upper-class ladies were imprisoned or banished. And then a few of them, I think, did get away. But, of course, it was, like, an insane witch hunt, right? It was, like, who poisoned—it was, mm-hmm. like— uh, all Anytime these confessions any man all died these... of
1: anything. And they were probably like, it was poison. Yeah, it was, it, it was wound.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they had like, you know, these trials, they didn't have like proof and shit. Like right. it was all this it 1600s.
1: Was, what evidence? It
0: right. was literally witch hunts without using the word, witch. like, it, you know, poisoner, poisoner. That's the end of my main part of the story. But I also, you know, I, I would be remiss to, to end any broad episode without mentioning like a douchebag of the week that, that has a mention somewhere in the articles about her. (laughs) So, um, I, 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 this is my new, maybe I'll do a a douche of the week, every episode from now on, because there's always one, I should just make it official. So apparently on his deathbed in 1791, Amadeus Mozart was convinced that he had been poisoned and wrote in his journal, quote, I will not last much longer. I am sure I have been poisoned. I cannot rid myself of this idea. Someone has given me aqua tofana and calculated the precise time of my death. Spoiler alert, historians say he died of either rheumatic fever or syphilis, or maybe because he ate undercooked pork, but not because of poison. (laughs) (laughs) And this was like a hundred plus years after she was executed. Like, come on, dude. Wow. <laughs> Douchebag. Famous. That's a legacy right there. That is a legacy.
1: That story lasted a long time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, people were afraid of being poisoned. Like that like that's why people had tasters and shit, right? It's because of stories like this. And so So that's Julia Tofana, you guys.
1: That's awesome. Wow. Amazing. I don't, she's I mean good.
0: She's she's fucking great. 600 wife beaters
1: that's amazing killed by Julia. Mm julia and tofana was her real name so like the poison was named for her
0: yeah i mean julia tofana i of course some of the sources have like alternate names and there's all this trouble sourcing like was she really the daughter of like the there's there's some conflicting sources of that um if there's just not great uh, documentation. It seems like in general, mm. so some of the articles yeah, that they I don't want people to know, right? They do not want people to know that this happened. They'd be like, "Ooh, we don't need this to happen ever
2: again." I'm sure. I'm sure it's like documented heavily. The Vatican yeah. religions look out for this. There might be a second uprising. One batch that was left over. Yeah. <laughs> so rather than
0: tell men to stop beating their wives, it's easier to cover up the story. Of the women who poison the wife beaters, right, (laughs) right,
1: Right. yeah, that's how the patriarchy works.
0: Mm, I love it. Don't don't worry
1: about why we're doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just know that it's happening
0: that's all i got for you thank you guys for joining us this week we always love to have you don't forget we have a website broads we've got a cool broads database you can look up all the past broads we've done you can leave us a review oh man if you left us a review you'd be our best friends you guys it is so good for us it's so good for our our spreading the word for getting us out there so thanks for being listeners all the time thanks jupiter for being a guest today Thank you So glad me. to meet you. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week for another Broad You Should Know. You can always hit me up on Instagram at Sarah Gorsky. That's S-A-R-A-G-O-R-S-K-Y. And I have a website, saragorsky.com too. I'm an actor. I do other podcasts and films and things like that. A lot of, a lot of the, other projects in the works, quarantine projects, as you will.
1: If you are interested in checking out any of my other podcasts or other work on the internet, I have another podcast called Modern Eyes with Sky and Stone, which is a film review podcast where we look at movies from 10 or more years ago. We talk about race and gender and politics, and we modernize the film if it were to be remade today. And you can check out my blog where I write about being trans or uh, Star Trek or all, anything else that I happen to be thinking about at the, t- at the time, at the moment that I'm writing at ChloeJadeSky.com.